The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas desert and energy industry who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. We hope you're ready to rumble because wrestling with the inner man begins now. Good evening, WWM listeners. Today, we are winding up August in our summer school series with our final episode I have to say I'm a little melancholy because I've enjoyed having these ladies on the show. If you haven't been following the show, we've been visiting with four women representing four different generational views on the essential question of courtship and marriage. How do I find and win the right one for marriage? In our first three weeks, we have had Gen Z, Millennials, and Gen X represented. Today, we have the Baby Boomers represented. Yeah, my own generation. (laughs) We have heard all about the differences each generation faces when it comes to men, roles and responsibilities, and even the technology involved with courtship. Women and men of all ages still have a strong desire for companionship and someone to share their life with no matter how they find themselves single or single again later in life. But a large focus of this episode will be on how to sustain a marriage over the years through phases of life and family. We will also be discussing how we train up our children on the topic of courtship and marriage, an extremely important job that we as parents must not neglect. My guest today has been married for 37 years and has an adult daughter who we've already heard on the show uh, on an earlier episode in the series. She is a professional counselor and has her own podcast called Through the Fire. With a PhD and plenty of experience, we have truly saved the best for last. Dr. Marie Seltz. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show, and welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man. <laughs> Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. And I do want our listeners to know that I've been married 37 years to the same man. <laughs> what a lucky man. Is, I know. It's, it, I feel such a sense of accomplishment to say that today. I think it's, it's, it's very, a, a very good topic you've chosen. It's quite timely and very needed in today's world, I believe. Well, and I do commend you for that. Uh, I've been married mm. 20 years in this second mm-hmm. attempt, and I got it right yeah. the second time. And so, uh, yeah. but it is it is celebration worthy to be sure, and yeah. it's also uh, much better for you financially and <laughs> everything. To not to not go through a divorce, <laughs> I can just say that with a laugh now. Um, so, Doctor, your honesty. Okay. Why don't no, we... I was going to say, that's such honesty, but it's very true. It very, is. Very, very true. It's, it's devastating financially, and every, you know, everybody knows that. Uh, mm-hmm. People know people that have been divorced. But so, so, Dr. Marie, why don't we begin with you giving us a little background on how you met Mr. Wright and married your husband of 37 years, Gregory. How did you know yes. he was the one, and what did your courtship look like? Well, it's interesting because when you say courtship, I, I will tell you I was I was specifically dating to find the right man. And as soon as I got out of, I mean, when I was in college, I was very aware. I mean, I dated a lot, and I dated very smartly, I would say. I had a list. I know sometimes people go, you had a list, and they kind of make fun. But the truth is, if you don't know what you're looking for, you're never going to find it. You're just going to be an open basket to anything that falls in. And I, I, I had filters, and I 
specifically had um, bullet points of, you know, characteristics and uh, things that I that I was looking for. And the top of it for for me was a man of Christian faith who prioritized his faith, and that was displayed in the way that he uh, conducted his language, the way he treated other people, the the goals that he had, his self-discipline, his pursuit of things, um, and his outview of life. And so I was looking for men like that. So that being said, I uh, was set up on on a blind date uh, by some friends, which is a great way to meet people because they know you and they know these things about you. And we went on a group date, and I asked him (laughs) what he does to start finding what his dreams and outlooks were. And, and uh, that, that very night, I knew that he was somebody that I wanted to spend time with and that I, I could see a future with. And that was the end of the story. He went home the same night and wrote a song for me. So he felt the same way. Wow. And the so rest is history. <laughs> lo- like love at first sight? Was it really love at first sight? Or? You know, it kind of, it was like at first sight, it grew into love, I will say that. Yeah. Uh, it was really, it was very, very good. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think when, you know, you're in your 20s, and that's, that's where I was at that time. Most of the time you are looking more on sight alone, and the, that kind of, you know, chemistry, or the, you know, conjure up whatever chemistry you think you're feeling, because it's, you know, you're looking at them through what you see. But as you get older, hopefully you start looking at things through different lenses. And I, I was a product of, of divorced parents and divorced grandparents, and I knew I didn't want to repeat that behavior. So... I think I had a little bit more wisdom from my experience in my pocket, and I used that to look beyond just the exterior and and also into what made this person who they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I so I have a question for you because, you know, I've been interviewing these younger ladies from the earlier generations, and it seems like the available pool of what you're calling a qualified candidate, and that's a man who is a Christian and lives his life that way is shrinking rather significantly like like a lake drying up would you agree with that or did you did you find uh when you were dating in your 20s that there were uh plenty of men like that or you know it was kind of slim pickings even then um no there were there were more men and you weren't shamed if you had a faith today um you know i mean as a counselor i i also teach women and men how to to have relationships and how to pursue relationships and and one of the things that is, like you said, that is constantly is that people are shamed if they express their faith. And so it's hard to find them if they do have one. They will not say that out loud or publicize it most of the time. Now, it's really difficult because if you do find someone that does, sometimes they belong to some kind of, you know, kind of wacky out there kind of uh, institution or something. But that's not always the case. But that's what people perceive. So it's very it's a, it's very difficult to find a person of faith. And so I think for women if, and and men, if that's something that's important to you, you have to de- demonstrate that and express that early on. Because people are looking for you, and there are more of us than we believe. It's just people are afraid to express it. Man, I know. I'm thinking of that song, Jackson Brown, The Pretender. You know, yeah. why can't people just be real? Uh, just be right up front. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I believe in God. You know, it, yeah. is that so risky now? I, I think it is, you know, just because of the time we live in, but, you know, particularly in the in the dating world. So I yeah. think uh, the fact that you were intentional is also why you were successful, because you do need to have a criteria. And I've, uh, like I was mentioning when we did the first Charm School series that my kids, you know, when they get 16, they 
you know, they wanted a driver's license and they didn't care what kind of car it was. I just need a car, man. I need a car. And, you know, they weren't going to buy it themselves. <laughs> so uh, I said, look, you know, you get the Suburban and it's big and everybody's going to want you to drive all the time and it's horrible gas mileage. And so uh, after you drive it for a while, you're like, I wish I had a different car. Or you get the two-seater and there's no room for luggage or, you know, then you can't have people go with you. And then you're like, man, I wish I had a different car because I didn't have a criteria. You don't want right. to choose your life mate like you're getting your first car, folks. So right. take note, men. Be open about your faith and have a criteria. Know what you're looking for, and then you got a lot better chance of bagging uh, what you're, the trophy, the trophy wife like Dr. Marie that, uh, that you're looking for. <laughs> That's right. I love how you you t- change uh, that terminology to something positive because, you know, as you and I were sharing earlier, I was called a, a thought about uh, somebody very dear to me now confessed that she thought I was a trophy wife when she first met me and laughed. And, and we still laugh to this day about it. But you make it the trophy wife as the winning the prize, which is a beautiful thing. And I love it. So I, I still haven't shared that with her. I need to do that. Yes. Yes. I consider <laughs> my wife a trophy. I'm super proud of her. I, I yes. call her my, my arm candy, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Well, well, back in the day, you know, what, what were uh, the boxes that he checked on your criteria? What, what was your, your list? Uh, and then also, if you could elaborate on what red flags, you know, that, hey, if this comes up, man, this could be like a real deal killer, like a, a smoker or something. You know, I don't know what it would be, but could you uh, give us a little bit more background on that? Sure. And my, and my criteria then um, is the same as it would be today. So primarily, number one, as I said before, was a Christian man who really, really lived that life, who worshipped, spoke well, treated people well, held himself in high esteem, meaning he had expectations of himself and believed in himself to reach those challenges and goals and, and had a plan for a life purpose. You know, my, the definite no-nos for me at that time and now um, would be someone who displayed a lack of respect for me and themselves by the language they used, if they were heavy drinkers, if they uh, had a lack of discipline and ambition. And today, I'm I'm going to add gaming addict because that's a real problem today for a lot of relationships and a lot of people, um, the, this game addiction, because these are behaviors that are not congruent with my definition of a man, which is a person who is courageous enough and um, sacrificial, is enough to make moral choices and to sacrifice and be a backbone uh, for his family uh, and a leader for his family. And that doesn't demonstrate any of those things. So those were my red flags. And I want to say I had this absolutely beautiful boyfriend who was perfect in every way, except he wouldn't go to church. And you have to think about that, because if he doesn't go to church and have a faith with Lord, with, with God, if this is the father of your children, it, when and crisis will hit you in life, mm-hmm. there will be challenges in life. And that show, I mean, that's really a huge coin toss-up of unpredictability. How will he handle this? How will he lead? How will he get us through? If you don't have that lean into God as a foundation, it's essential. It's so important. Yes, it is. In fact, you know, you were talking about the video game addiction. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called engaged. You know, when you first <laughs> when you first uh, <laughs> promise to be married, you need to be engaging with one another and not just, uh, you know, a video game addiction is a real problem. So thank you for yes. bringing that up. Well, um so just last week, I read a blog from MediShare titled, What Does a Spiritual Leader in Marriage Look Like? It was just perfect, godly timing, putting that in my uh, mm-hmm. inbox. But according to the author, it is not someone who tells me how to act, how to believe, or how to live my life. It is someone who lovingly guides me towards goals I have to be a better person and better mm-hmm. child of God. 
So Dr. Mm-hmm. Marie is someone married to a, to a pastor. Does this sound like what spiritual leadership of a family should look like to you? <laughs> yes, it, it it really does because, and I you shared that article with me, and I tell you, I think that is a, a, it's very short. And I think it's a wonderful article. It, it really does, and I have to say, not just married as, as, to someone uh, as a pastor because. I was raised as a Catholic, and you never think about marrying a pastor. And so this applies to everybody. You know, a spiritual leader really needs to, like we, I was saying in my criteria, not just act, but demonstrate their belief and how to live. And, and being that person who guides his wife, who prays with his wife, who prays with his children, who prays for them, and says, I prayed for you, and let's, lets them feel that comfort and healing. Because, you know, a lot of the problems in marriages is a, a breakdown of trust. And trust encompasses so many things. If you think I'm sharing a concern with my spouse, and then they just never mention it again. But if, you, if that spouse says, I really heard you because I prayed for you, that does so much in a marriage. So, you know, uh, um, a spiritual leader is someone who, who's going to demonstrate and guide you to be a better person because they uh, believe that they're a child of God and they demonstrate that and they show you that they believe that about you as well. Yeah, I think uh, going to battle, you know, on your knees, you know, praying and, and, and bringing in the supernatural power, man, that's like the nuclear power, man. You've got all power when you call upon it, and uh, that's yes. very important. So the, yes. the, the article goes on to say that marriage is a partnership, and a crucial part of a successful life together with Christ is, according to Hebrews 10.24, one which says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So is praying together, out loud, together, a big part of this uh, for you? Yes, it really is, because things come out with prayer. Things come out that we haven't maybe shared with one another, and when you invite that person in, and you're, 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 you're speaking to the Lord, who is always with you. He never, ever, ever, ever leaves you. And you're sharing this. It's a conversation with God, and it's, it's a beautiful demonstration of how, you know, we will say, okay, I've shared this, um, this is a concern, and, and there are things that come into it. So what, what are you going to do with this concern? What are you going to do with this prayer? So stirring one another up and to, to love one another, to to help however you can, because now you've spoken this awareness, right? You've spoken this awareness of something, and you've shared this with another person. So there is, there, that leads you to action. We don't just say, oh, okay, this is something we know, and leave it at that. No, we, we're moved to action, so you move forward in faith, and you, you, you share this thing together. It's a beautiful thing. And, and also, we, whenever someone is down, you say, no, I believe in you. You've done this before. You remind that person. We've gone through this before. You can get through this. You have me. We have God. We have this. We have that. So, it, yes, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to, to share prayer together like that. It's a huge part of a, of a, of a good relationship. I, I think it is. It's something I'm, you know, I, I'm comfortable praying out loud, but my wife is not. And then mm-hmm. I feel like, man, you know, I'm always doing it. Why don't, can you say something? You know, it's like I'm trying to really be vulnerable, and I'm kind of like, you know, I'm undressing completely before God yeah. and her, and I'm saying, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm naked here. I'm, I'm really sharing everything. And then if it's not reciprocated, you know, I'm, I'm feeling uh-huh. like uh, I'm being, you know, something's being withheld. And, right. Uh, so. Right. 
Let me say something to you about that, because I was the same way as a Catholic, being raised as a Catholic, which I'm, I'm not now, I'm, I'm a Lutheran, but, uh, and that took me a long time to, to come to that uh, conversion, but mm. um, it, you're not taught to do that unless you're in a specific type of, of Catholic Church. So it's, it's very uncomfortable, and like you said, it's very vulnerable. So, you know, there have been other uh, people that have said that to me, and yes, if you feel like you've, you've kind of, they're withholding, they're not being as open to you, it, it, you've laid out, and they, they're not, they're, and, and it's, it's, it's not as comforting. You know, you can ask her to, to write a prayer, to, to text a prayer, or do things like that, and she might, you know, those baby steps will can lead her to feel a little bit more comfortable in doing it. But, you know... And, I, I, my husband was at first, you know, he would try to push me, and I said, don't, don't do that because that will just make me fight back more. And eventually I got to where I love praying with people and for people, but it took me years to do that. That's very encouraging to me. I really appreciate mm-hmm. that because, and that is what I'm called to do is provide that leadership. I've got to model it and demonstrate it, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I mm-hmm. can't uh, uh, be self, selfish yeah. about it. But uh, <laughs> so... Um, so, I, uh, Dr. Mee, I've, I've been reading excerpts from my book, you know, or my favorite book there on this subject, Wing to Wing, Or to Or, Readings on Courting and Mary, throughout this series. Yeah. So the final yeah. collection of works is compiled under the heading, What Can Married Life Be Like? The Blessings of Married Life. And really, if there was anything I wanted to convey to the audience through this whole series and Charm School before it, is that marriage is great. We should be celebrating. We should be seeking marriage. We should be wanting to have a life that we can share with someone and to raise our children with. And so we should be more intentional about how we go about doing it. Now, here's a couple of quotes, you know, from the book uh, about the ancient wisdom around marriage. And this is more like the mature marriage. This is so the Greek philosopher Aristotle treats marriage as a community based upon mutual pleasure, utility, and appreciation of character held together, especially by the common good of offspring. I think for people who have been married a long time, that sounds good. Kierkegaard wrote, and a married man also waxes enthusiastic over the treasure of his wife, less as an erotic partner, more as loving companion and mother. It is his deep awareness of the meaning of time that especially enables him to love the woman of years and to escape from the shallow and fleeting passions of the aesthetic love of visible beauty. Now, mm-hmm. That's beautiful to me. Now, it's hard because, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're, we're into our sixth decade of life, and she still uh-huh. wants to feel beautiful. And she is. I think she's more uh-huh. beautiful than ever. But it's uh-huh. not all on the outside, and I know that's something that's a little bit challenging. But uh, how would you describe the blessings of married life to convince our listeners that this is, without a doubt, the best way to spend our time here on Earth? Well, I, you know, isn't it interesting that both Aristotle and Kierkegaard, who had very, very different philosophies, actually agree on what marriage is about and the type of relationship that it is? Because when we, when, and I, you know, you'd have to read into it more, but just making it simple, uh, a relationship between a, a man and a woman is the longest enduring and can be the deepest, most rewarding, satisfying, purposeful relationship in the life because it's the only relationship where you can produce offspring. And once you produce offspring, this is, you don't just have them and then let it go. This continues on throughout your whole life. And this is a shared project. It's a shared uh, ongoing relationship where you're, you're, you're developing them continually, not just once they're 18 and out of the house. 
so this is something that only a, a man and a woman can do. And you progress and you, through life, challenges, rewards, successes, growth, setbacks, all of these things, dreams, uh, all of these things together. And it's not just based, like um, they said earlier, on just the aesthetic exterior, which Yes, for women and for men, I will say, you know, the criteria we define as beautiful, we can see it always fading as we get older with age, but the internal exterior, I mean, interior is developing probably, it should be, especially if you're a, a person of faith, is becoming more and more beautiful. The criteria, if you look at external beauty, and, and women have such pressures today, especially in the Western world, for yes. what we see as beautiful, right? If you look at it as age, I mean, and just what we see, people can, I mean, especially your spouse. And what do you care about what everybody else thinks? If your spouse sees you as the most beautiful thing and the, your, your wife sees you as the most beautiful, breathtaking uh, person in the room, and, and that's all that matters. And you've gone through this life together, and when you've stood by each other, you've breathed one another's breaths, you've suffered with one another, you've taken care of one another through life, that is what develops. And it's worth fighting for because anything that is um, missing in your relationship, anything that's, that's maybe you're feeling that is wrong, you're going to carry those things in because you have no idea some of that is brought into this relationship because of you or your spouse. So if you have found the right one and something is suddenly going wrong, stand by that person. Work it out because life is a bumpy road and relationships are a bumpy road. And what we've been sold, that you know everything is splendid once you fall in love and perfect, it's not true. You've got to work for that. And it's worth the fight because you will develop a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing that is only achieved by a few people that hang in there together. Well, that's an extremely encouraging word, and I really thank you for sharing those thoughts. Uh, you know, one other just final top topic on this is, you know, the the distraction. I, I look at this device, this cell phone, and I'm looking at the back of it. And I'm looking at this apple with a bite out of it. And I'm like, isn't that ironic that it, it could have been called Apple as a company, but why does it, why does it have the bite out of it? And it's because it represents the original fall. It's trying to be like God. It's trying to know everything. And so this phone is such a distraction. And I know I have to be super intentional when we go out to dinner. And you, you see this, you go out to a restaurant and you look at couples and they're sitting there and they're both got their faces down looking at their phones and they're not even talking to one another at dinner. <laughs> and, and so uh, I think attentiveness is certainly another way to make your wife feel important to to actually be an active, uh, attentive listener. And, I, and we have to yeah. be intentional about that, too, because I'm a guy and I do things one at a time. I'm single-minded of purpose. And so if my wife's coming in and I'm watching golf on TV and she's <laughs> wanting to talk to me, she needs to say, can you pause that? Or, you know, or otherwise I'll be looking over my shoulder. I can't help it. My head's just going to track back, you know, <laughs> to that. So, but... uh I'm, I'm working on it. I'm still working on being my best version of myself, and I can only be that with her. So uh, any just last-minute thoughts real quick? Yeah, so being uh, so at the, yeah, since we're representing a generation here where children are now leaving the home and going off to college and you find yourself as an empty nester, cell phones and distractions such as that, games, television, suddenly are, are something that enters in just because people aren't communicating so much with one another as couples because they've been 
directing their energies towards work and raising their children. Once the children are gone, they don't know how to connect. So the cell phone is not the best way in, in saying, oh, let me check on the kids and, you know, none of that. Making being very intentional by spending time with one another, putting those cell phones away, turning off the TV, putting on some music, just dancing, being holding one another, breathing with one another, moving together with one another will connect you again because this time when the kids are gone, you have to rediscover one another, and it's a very intentional thing. And so putting these appliances away is primary. Okay. All right. Well, we're out of time. Thank you so much for being on this series and for closing it out with this great wisdom. Let me just say God bless you and listen to us again next time. Thank you. You have a blessed day, too. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man with David Savage. For more information, reach out to David at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. That's wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling with the Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.